0: Welcome back to Behind the Wings, a podcast produced by Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum in beautiful Denver, Colorado. And we've got a lot to explore. Stories about how history shapes aviation today, trailblazers in space, up-close looks at iconic aircraft, and on today's show, AI in Aviation. It's time to go Behind the Wings. Well, we've made it to episode 27, and we are so glad to have you along for the ride. Now, make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app, maybe where you're listening right now. And if you like the show, leave us a review. It could be five stars, but we'll leave that part to you. But it could be five stars. We do appreciate hearing from you. Now, today, we're excited to bring you an artificially intelligent
1: episode. Now, Rick, we like to think all our episodes are intelligent. Does this mean we are getting replaced as hosts?
0: Well, I don't think just yet, John. I'm your host, Rick Crandall, and with me, as always, is Wings Over the Rockies president and CEO, John Barry. John, what do we have for folks today?
1: We are diving into... AI in aviation with a particular focus on its military applications. From autonomous wingman drones to predictive maintenance, uh, we will explore the opportunities and risks of AI as it transforms the landscape of aerial warfare. Join us as we unravel the intricate web of AI technology shaping the future of aviation while gaining a very unique perspective from a seasoned military leader at the forefront of this transformative field. Our guest today is Colonel Tucker Hamilton, call sign
0: Cinco. As the chief of AI test and operations for the US Air Force, Hamilton is at the cutting edge of researching, testing, and implementing artificial intelligence in the realm of military aviation. Colonel Hamilton began his career as an operational F-15C pilot, supporting red flag exercises and real-world Operation Noble Eagle missions at times escorting Air Force One and the US president. He served as a chief Chief Instructor, Test Pilot, and has more than 2,000 flying hours in the F-35, F-15, F-18, F-16, A-10, oh, and more than 20 additional aircraft. Is there anything he hasn't done? We're about to find out. From enhancing decision-making processes and enabling entirely new mission sets, there's a lot to explore in this one. And a quick disclaimer, The views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the official guidance or position of the United States government, the Department of Defense, the United States Air Force, or the United States Space Force. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get started. Lieutenant Colonel Tucker Hamilton, Cinco, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be able to talk to some folks back in my old stomping ground of Colorado. I grew up there in Evergreen, Colorado, so it's good to be with y'all.
0: Well, welcome home. It's good to have you here. And and especially for this topic, and, and there's no doubt you're the right person for us to be talking to about AI. You serve as the Chief of AI Testing and Operations. We'll we'll get more into that throughout our conversation. But in preparing for the interview and learning about your bio, I started to think when it comes to aviation, what haven't you flown? So to start off, if you would, share a bit about your pathway to Air Force pilot and and eventually Chief of AI Testing and Operations
2: it's an interesting path that would take a whole podcast on its own but generally i uh, went to rotc at the university of colorado in boulder and i did that kind of on a whim and i never planned on being a pilot and then right before graduating i had an eye problem the cadre there told me hey we actually think you can fly if you go do this and so i went and did that and i was like all right i'll give it a try and um i was kind of an accidental pilot and I fell in love with the marriage of the technology and the mission and the people. And so flying has been just a wonderful expression of being able to serve uh, this amazing nation. And so as I became a pilot, I was a fighter pilot. And then a few years later, got the opportunity to become a test pilot. Uh, And then I started testing F-15Cs and F-15Es. And then I had this amazing opportunity to command F-35 development. So I got to be a part of the F-35 development team out at Edwards Air Force Base in California as we delivered that capability to the warfighter. And I found myself at MIT doing a fellowship and they were just setting up this brand new office called the AI Accelerator. It was a department of the Air Force and MIT joint venture. And I was kind of at the right place at the right time. I knew people involved with it. Uh, I had this background of technology and I, for the first time in my career, got very concerned about our national security. So I continue to serve now and am trying to bring about AI solutions ethically that really answer our need and use the technology uh, to its full potential.
1: Now, Cinco, what you've stated is great for our audience to hear. You know, the path isn't always obvious, but looking back, each experience builds on the last, leading you to where you are today as chief of AI testing and operations. So I know titles we talk about all the time are good and and all, but uh, I really want to get down to what's very practical. What does that title mean? What do you do on a daily basis?
2: As I left MIT, I came down to Eglin and I took over as the 96 Operations Group Commander for the 96 Test Wing. We develop and test numerous systems, capabilities, and I kept engaged with the AI world to an extent that what we were doing here at Eglin was a great opportunity to be a conduit back to the Pentagon. And we're testing AI systems here. So I was given the title of Chief of AI Test and Operations, supporting the Chief Data and AI Office for the Department of the Air Force. And really, I'm trying to set up a strong foundation for AI tests and evaluation. So that, that includes shaping policy, upskilling our workforce, implementing a conduit for AI solutions to be able to scale throughout the enterprise. And honestly, a lot of what I'm trying to do is help weave a strong data fabric around the entire AI ecosystem that ultimately empowers and bolsters our airmen and our guardians because they are remarkable. They have the ideas, they have the capability. I just want what they're creating not to be siloed. So that is one of my main objectives is trying to empower them.
0: You know, as we get into this topic, let's start kind of broadly if we could. AI has dominated headlines all year with the advances in uh, generative AI and consumer-facing technologies like ChatGPT. From your perspective, how would you describe this moment in AI in general, but also specific to the realm of military aviation?
2: I think this moment in AI is going to change our society it's transformative, it has massive potential. We are witnessing a convergence of decades of research. So AI is not new, right? But it's decades of research converged with a vast amount of data and immense computational power. It's culminating in these models that can generate like coherent, contextually relevant content. So that's from text and images, video. And it's also a moment of democratization of AI, which is driving the importance of human machine teaming. So we need humans to do what they're good at. So, you know, being empathetic and creative and contextually understanding, being adaptable. And we need machines to do what they're good at. So think, you know, processing data, repetitive tasks, retrieving information. So ultimately it's a period of both celebration of what we've been able to achieve, but also there's a lot of caution in there regarding our path forward. Well, you could argue there's no limit
1: to this potential application of AI in aviation and space. And we're already seeing it with things like flight route optimization, predictive maintenance, being able to affect air traffic management and cabin crew assistance, you know, to name a few. From your perspective, what AI applications are most applicable to the military
2: aviation today? And what's the most exciting one to you? Broadly speaking, the things you talked about that are impacting aviation are equally impacting military aviation you know so flight ops optimization and predictive maintenance those things are impacting military aviation as well as we get into like military advancements that are being shaped and impacted by AI. I think it's important to add like a disclaimer and it, it's for this topic, but like for this answer, this one question, but also the topic writ large. I think we need to understand that when I am talking about some of these things, it's conceptual in nature, of course, and we can talk about some real things that we have been able to do as well. But ultimately, we, uh, when we think of AI systems, we often confuse the idea of AI As thinking that it has full governance and control of a system, when in reality, AI is typically powering very narrow application of the system. So, this is important for the entire discussion because when folks realize that AI is just software, which is enhancing or optimizing some type of part of our system, but it's just software, and they realize that it is not as sensational as they're being told by Hollywood, with that disclaimer, kind of as a part of this whole conversation, ISR. I think is ripe for certain AI applications. There's a vast amount of data. So ISR is intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance. It's a combination of us being able to use sensors in order to gather information. It could be a satellite down to a drone, to an aircraft, to a human being, gathering data of the the battle space or an area. And we consider that as ISR. So using AI to detect and classify, to be able to counteract electronic threats in real time and cybersecurity would be along the same lines. Training and simulation is really exciting. So now AI driven virtual environments that can provide like really realistic or hyper realistic, as we call it training scenarios that can adapt to you real time, right? That is I think really impactful because we're trying to optimize human performance with a lot of this capability and the ability to integrate AI systems into the cockpit to act as kind of a, what we consider maybe a digital co-pilot to assist the human pilots during complex tasks and decision-making. That to me is the most exciting because now you're able to focus on like what the computer's good at and what the human's good at. That combination is when I think we're going to see the real benefits. And it makes me think of like x-rays. If you have a radiologist looking through x-rays, 86% of the time they're going to find cancer. AI alone is going to find cancer 93% of the time, but combined, they're going to find cancer 97% of the time, right? So that's type of mentality, that's what I'm excited about. All of that's going to require rigorous validation, verification processes, ethical considerations, and making sure that the human operator really still remains at the center of decision making.
0: Now that we've established a bit about AI, both the technology and its use cases, before we go any further, you know, it's important we talk about ethics. While discussing AI testing in the Air Force, you said you can't have a conversation about artificial intelligence, intelligence, machine learning, autonomy, if you're not going to talk about ethics in AI. What are or what should be the ethical concerns surrounding the use of AI in military aviation? And what are we doing to address the issues?
2: As AI systems have become like more ingrained in our daily lives, there's a heightened focus on the ethical implications. So that's from biases in the data to potential misuse of uh, the generated content that I think we're gonna continue to see more and more of. It underscores the importance of responsible AI and that approach in our development and our deployment, and then our sustainment, because AI is something that is continually trying to continue to be enhanced or learn as I put in quotes. For instance the potential of deploying a fully autonomous weapon system which can identify target and engage without human intervention raises serious ethical questions and i think we should all be concerned about that and there are concerns about the potential for indiscriminate harm there unintended like escalation the dehumanization of warfare so that is why we are not doing that in the military Um, we are not approaching uh, fully autonomous weapon systems because it is not the right thing to do and this is not the time to, to talk about that as we're developing this technology. And AI systems trained on biased data are gonna make biased decisions. And in a military context, it's true for our society as well. This can result in unfair, unjust targeting. Uh, it can. Impact operational choices that our decision makers are making based on that data. There's also a problem with loss of human skills. So, if you have an over reliance on AI, it might erode essential human skills. Like, if you use Chat GPT to write all of your high school and college papers, do you really know how to write? You know, are we imbuing the skills that we want our society to learn? I mean, when is the Appropriate time to give your 10-year-old a calculator? Is it when they're younger or do you want them to learn the arithmetic first, right? These are the type of questions that we need to, to think through. And if we overly depend on automation, we're going to become vulnerable if those systems fail or if they're compromising somehow. So we as an Air Force and we as a DoD have taken AI ethics very seriously so from 2020 we adopted the five dod ai ethical principles ultimately it's being responsible and equitable traceable reliable and governable and i could talk through each one of them but in general there's a whole slew of things that we're looking at with regard to ai development so we dropped those in 2020 the dod published a responsible ai strategy in 2022 Uh, The DAF established a chief responsible AI ethics officer in 2022. And then even things most recently, like the DOD established something called Task Force Lima. And they're looking at AI ethics and and how they pertain to large language models. So just as Western societies have principles that we hold dear, the same is true for the profession of arms.
0: I would say what has to go hand in hand, now this is me with no experience in this whatsoever, so you'll you'll correct me, but hand in hand with that has to be responsible representation of what AI really is by people in the media, by politicians, so that people aren't panicked, so people aren't afraid of it.
2: I could not agree with you more. It kind of speaks to that Hollywood bias that I was referring to earlier. In my mind, it takes two forms. So one is people think we have advanced technology, like in the movies. That isn't so usually. And two, I think people think that technology displayed in the movies is actually feasible. So there's one that it is feasible, but it's not as advanced. And then the other one is people think it's feasible, and it's not even feasible. And that happens all too often from Skynet to Westworld. I mean, the list goes on, right? And that Hollywood bias has created, I think, a frenzy around AI, when in reality, it's just software. Yeah, it's software that can rewrite itself to a certain extent, but it's doing so in very narrow ways and based on rules that a human has established. AI is not magic, it's math, right? So ChatGPT isn't suddenly going to try and take over the world. It it doesn't work like that. It's, It's just computer software. AI doesn't learn the way you and I learn, it's almost a mischaracterization when we say machine learning. I mean, it's computer code that is trained with guardrails on how to optimize its code in order to get to the objective that someone has.
1: You know, with uh, any new technology, there are challenges that must be addressed. On the one hand, there are risks that warrant a measured approach to get this right. But on the other hand, The world is moving forward with AI, including our adversaries. So there's an urgency to move quickly. So what do you think about risk and reward? Trying new things, but moving at an appropriate pace, all with the backdrop of a globally competitive landscape for AI development.
2: It is a challenge because we're understanding the risks a little bit, and I think we're scraping the surface on some of that. We're understanding the reward. If you've been on ChatGPT, Uh, or large language models like ChatGPT, you can see the benefit, like it really can enhance and optimize work we're doing. So I think, though, we need to understand and kind of pull back a little bit the layers of the onion uh, regarding the risk that some of this can pose to, right? So we need to be able to understand the technology. We also want to try to understand the tertiary effects. And then once we understand the technology we can try to categorize the risks and mitigate those risks to, you know to pursue certain uh, rewards i think it's such a balance we don't want to miss the opportunity to use this next phase of like how I think of it as the next phase of computer software. but we also don't want to be blind to the the risks that it could be posing in kind of the fabric of who we have become over the past you know a few hundred years as more modern civilization. Like it can really disrupt some of that. So really important conversations for our society to have.
0: We touched on this at the top of the show, but when I hear something like AI wingman or an AI piloting an aircraft, I've got to know a little bit more. So we'll kind of geek out here. What in the world is an AI wingman? How does it work? And if there are other examples of AI enhanced combat systems, uh, feel free to work them in here as well.
2: So I'd actually say the term AI wingman in my mind, and I'm putting quotes around that is it's probably like almost too vague of a characterization, because what we're really talking about is an autonomous platform that will have aspects of it that are AI powered. So what that'll probably look like is certain basic aircraft functions being driven by AI, but the whole thing's not overseen by AI, right? It's overseen by autonomy which, when I think of autonomy and AI, they're distinctly different. Autonomy can be an exquisite expression of AI, but they are very different. Autonomy, I think, deterministic code, if-then statements. If you put in an input, that code will always give you that same output. It's like a math equation. AI, you put an in input, and it, based on the data and how it's been trained, the output may not give you the same every time, right? And we see that with generative AI. But ultimately, AI, that is going to be in autonomous systems is still gonna have a human interacting with it, but regardless, it's going to have code around it. And this is a a good example. The XQ58 is a platform that we've been using to develop and and test certain AI capability. It's a high-performance drone. We've been testing it with the Air Air Force Research Lab, and it's basically a different level of what we've considered autonomous flying. So let me break down the three. You have semi-autonomous flying, which is an operator on the ground like controlling the aircraft. You have autonomous flying, which is that if-then statement, like very basic deterministic software code. And think of that like if a drone loses connection to its operator on the ground, it will autonomously fly to a point in space or come in land or do something autonomously. So the operator's not telling it to do it, it's doing it autonomously. And then there's AI-enabled autonomy. And AI-enabled autonomy, you need to think like, well, now... The AI and what we've been doing with the XQ58, it's learned through reinforcement learning, we call it, how to do certain basic aircraft functions. So it, gets, it can go to a point in space that could be a certain bank angle or a pitch, uh, but it actually decides how it wants to get to that point, right? But people need to understand like that drone is not going to all of a sudden do something nefarious, right? It doesn't work like that. Once again, it's not magic, it's math. So if the AI agent at any point like tries to have a pitch angle t- that's too high or a dive angle too too low or a bank angle that goes too fast or whatever, it immediately cuts the system off, that AI agent, and the autonomy takes over, right? And so that's the type of approach that we're doing with our very methodical, deliberate development of our AI um, systems is like making sure that we have in that case, what, what we call governance over the system, um, so that it won't do spurious things. But regardless, it's not gonna do anything like really spurious. It would just maybe do something a little more aggressive than the system would allow or want. It could put the system in a bad situation if it dove too, at a too high of an angle, right? So that's the type of trade-offs, and really that's the type of explanation of how we're developing some basic aircraft control with our AI-enabled autonomy. As a former fighter pilot, 30 years in the Air Force, saying, so, you know, I
1: love flying, and of course, if we can go supersonic, that's even better. But seeing the progress with AI operated aircraft really opened my mind to where this could be going. So let's take this example. In 2020, as I understand it, an AI-operated F-16 beat a human adversary in five simulated dogfights, part of a competition put together by DARPA. Now, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, as most of us know. There are some obvious advantages that come to mind in an AI operator, like instantaneous decision-making, predictive maneuvering, and situational awareness. Tell us about the milestones and how your
2: thinking an AI-operated aircraft has evolved since then. So that is a DARPA program, which was awesome to see. And it basically was in a simulator called Alpha Dogfight, an AI trained algorithm that was controlling the, the simulator, uh, competing against, a, an actual pilot in the, in the SIM and the AI agent, um, handedly won in those dogfighting scenarios. So now DARPA has proceeded to flight testing and they're using the Vista aircraft, which is the special F-16. Like it's no longer an F-16. It's called an experimental X-62 aircraft. And they can create a simulator of sorts in that aircraft. So they actually took some of their algorithms and they advanced it into that Vista aircraft. And the approach has matured, right, from the testing that they did. It it really comes down to in the simulator, there were just significant limitations. And really what they're trying to figure out is how does the system perform? Because in order to have trust in the technology, you need the performance. So then you need the system to work. Or pilots are simply not gonna trust it and they're not gonna use it. So it's a methodical approach that DARPA is taking in order to develop some of this basic aircraft control uh, that an AI system may be asked to help out with. And, And when I think of like military applications, I think, yes, basic aircraft control so that a pilot can do other things. It's the same advancement from like autopilot to auto GCAS, which is automatic ground collision avoidance, to automatic air collision avoidance, to auto throttles that are used. Like as a pilot, I'm able to do less of that, which is good because then I'm able to do more of the mission system work, which really takes a human to be able to perform that. So that's where DARPA is helping um, kind of advance what flying is going to look like in high-performance aircraft. And then there's a whole other discussion about uncrewed aircraft. um, Because at some point, you can imagine that maybe we do take pilots out of certain aircraft if that aircraft is doing certain functions.
0: I could feel a little bit of tension over there with John as we discussed (laughs) AI piloted aircraft. Uh, (laughs) Get a little uneasy. But honestly, you've mentioned uh, more than than once about human involvement everywhere along the way. And just touch on it briefly to kind of summarize it. How do you see AI and human operators collaborating effectively in military aviation?
2: This is absolutely the most important piece of our AI future. How do humans interact with the data being produced by the software? AI can augment human capabilities by handling vast amounts of data and optimizing decisions, executing tasks rapidly and precisely. But the human operator has to bring the judgment, the intuition, the experience, the ethical considerations, that's on the human. And so effective collaboration um, has got to combine the strengths of both of those entities so maybe the AI system is helping figure out what is on the battle space in front of it. How do you present that information? Maybe it is helping air refuel or, or helping with navigation tasks and trying to tell a pilot that they're low on fuel and like for safety considerations, like, hey, you're low on fuel, you should go home. But how do you get the pilot's attention and how does the pilot trust that system is actually you know, recommending uh, the right thing, right? So all of this comes down to building trust which means we need to build performance in the systems, which means we need to build understanding in the system. That combination of the human and the machine is what I am, like I said at the beginning, is most excited about. You know, I've been down to the Air Force Academy
1: and the the simulators they have now are just phenomenal. I mean, compared to, and it was a big debate in my years, you know, they were going to take flying hours away from us on training and just put us in a simulator for, you know, a good portion of you know, pilot training, let's say. So uh, what are the benefits of using AI-powered simulation for training, in your opinion? And what challenges of developing and deploying that kind of training is uh, evident in the future?
2: This is really exciting space because what you're able to do with AI is they can learn based on your performance and then enhance the training to m- match that performance. That's augmented reality in the cockpit. So you can actually go up in the cockpit with you know augmented reality, which means there's something displayed in front of you on top of the world around you. So you can see like another aircraft that you merged with. It's not really there, right? And that aircraft can actually fight you maybe in dogfighting or something else in a way that is based on how you're doing. So if you're not a very good pilot, maybe like me, it goes easy on you and you're able to learn. And that is exactly what we wanna be able to do. We want an AI system to understand human performance and then to use that in order to optimize um, and meet the student where they're at. And that is powerful, not just in aviation, but I'm thinking like throughout our entire society, You know, if we could have almost like an AI tutor that is helping a student where their needs are uh, instead of treating all students or all pilots as people at the same level, because that's just not, not true. But there's challenges with this, for sure.
0: In everything that we just talked about, in everything we just covered, as you look at it, it's like we're just still in the infancy of this. We're literally at the very tip of the iceberg.
2: We are. And that's why we, especially as the DoD, are taking it very seriously to make sure that we understand the technology, that we understand how to test the technology, how do we implement it, how do we deal with these privacy concerns, how do we make sure our systems are reliable and equitable and governable, right? So it is just a centerpiece of a very deliberate methodical approach and a partnership approach. Like we are working with international partners, we got our industry partners, we got our academic partners, our other government agency partners, So it is us trying to make sure that we're doing right by our values and um, by our civilians, right? Because they deserve that. But it's also an opportunity that we can't let slip by because our adversaries and others are going to be using it, right? So how do we make sure that we approach this and not over-regulate or or not over-rely, right? The balance in between the two, Um, but understanding with eyes wide open the real uh, challenges and then the real threats that may be posed through this type of uh, technology.
0: We're glad you shared some of that with us here today. uh, Cinco, it was great meeting you. It was great having you here. Thank you for making uh, both John and I smarter about this world of of AI. I've got to go down the hall now with a, a wife and a couple of grandkids sitting down there and say, all right, stop it with being afraid of robots and AIs coming to eat your brain. It's not going to happen.
2: It's, not. it's just <laughs> software. I keep trying to tell people. It's yeah. Now it's, there's nuances to it, but that is an important message, right? We need to demystify this and the Hollywood bias is real. Cinco, this has been amazing. You're on the
1: leading edge of something that is just so doggone exciting. Congratulations on all the work that
2: you're doing and your team's doing. Thanks, Sheldon. It was really great to be able to share with you.
0: Thank you, Colonel Tucker Cinco Hamilton for joining us. That was a topic. I've been looking forward to this all season and it didn't disappoint. There was so many interesting aspects that I hadn't considered and I loved. You know, I keep reflecting on, on the conversation we've just had and I think what I'm really given with or what really impressed me was just how grounded in ethics the government, the Air Force, Colonel Hamilton, just how grounded in ethics they all are
1: and in how important that is to every step they're taking. What were your takeaways, John? Well, Rick, you know, when you think about it, this is absolutely an incredible subject to deal with. And we just touched on it, on the peripheral edges of it. But think about it just for a minute. There's gonna be considerations for existential threats of this uh, capability. There'll be discussions about automatic jobs where AI is replacing people. There'll be solutions that are embedding in the ethics of artificial intelligence. You know, when you think about it, how can you align artificial intelligence with human values? That's gonna be the real trick in the future. So I found this to be a fascinating subject and I'm really looking forward to delving into this even deeper on future episodes.
0: And if you would like to stay in touch, kind of follow along with what's going on, remember you can be in touch with Colonel Hamilton. Go to Instagram at Cinco Hamilton at Instagram and you'll find him right there. Well that's gonna do it folks. We hope you enjoyed episode 27 of the Behind the Wings podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to visit wingsmuseum.org podcast to join the conversation and access the show notes. Now, don't forget, we've got new episodes coming out every other Monday. Make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and subscribe. And while you're at it, be sure to leave a review. It's the best way to get our show out there. And we greatly appreciate hearing from you. We'll see you next time, right here on Behind the Wings.